Hello and a very warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Now, Brian, our Bible teacher, continues with seven ideas that turn the world upside down. And it's talk number three today. It's called The Cosmos Had a Beginning and Was Fine-Tuned. Now, these talks are Bible-based and are designed to give us hope in this present turbulent world. So, let's hear now from Brian. Thanks, John. Yes, the Bible famously begins by saying, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Christianity affirms that God brought the universe into being from nothing, creating it very precisely to support life. And science most definitely affirms that this universe is quite ideally designed to support carbon-based human life. Astronomer Sir Fred Hoyle, he who invented the term the Big Bang to describe the popular scientific view of how the universe began, admitted it was as likely to obtain a single protein by chance as it was for a solar system full of blind men standing shoulder to shoulder all to solve the Rubik's Cube puzzle simultaneously. And as if that wasn't enough, he added that the simplest cell arising all by chance was as likely as a tornado sweeping through a junkyard and assembling a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. Well, and as we most likely know, some of science's best established and most widely applicable laws point to this universe having a beginning. And one Nobel Prize winning researcher says that his research has caused him to see evidence of a plan of divine creation. In fact, this is exactly what he's on record as saying. The best data we have are exactly what I would have predicted had I nothing to go on but the five books of Moses, the Psalms and the Bible as a whole. In other words, he's saying the science data and the Bible agree on the fact that this universe had a beginning. At least that's the view of this Nobel Prize winning research scientist. You may now be asking, so what's radically different about Christianity's message then? After all, seems like science and the Bible agree on the universe having a beginning and being wonderfully suited to supporting life. The difference, of course, is all about why. Why is it that it's like this? Why should our universe have had a beginning and be precisely right for life? The Discovery Channel TV programme called How the Universe Works in one of its episodes entitled Big Bang features commentaries by Professor Lawrence Krauss and tells us everything in the universe is made from matter created in the first moments of the Big Bang. The programme then asks how did nothing become something? Professor Lawrence Krauss answers the laws of physics allow it to happen. Then we are told at the instant of creation all the laws of physics began to take shape. But how can the laws of physics allow nothing to become something when these laws, we are told, were still taking shape then? There's only one way of getting something from nothing, and that is by an act of creation by a creator, in fact by the almighty creator God of the Bible. We occasionally hear the comment today that there's such a thing as matter being created out of a so-called quantum fluctuation. This is described as being how, starting from nothing, we got equal amounts of particles and antiparticles. 
in a way that's just like how zero becomes plus one and minus one, two numbers whose sum together is zero. And this is often used to explain or illustrate how the universe could just have popped into existence. But for this explanation to work, it would require the pre-existence of the laws of quantum physics, which is hardly nothing, I'm sure you'll agree. Whenever something is being created, there's simply got to be something doing the creating. There really is no way around that. To say something, even the universe, simply created itself is nonsense, because it would first have to exist in order to create itself. Anything which has a beginning to its existence must have a cause. That seems an obviously true statement to make, but let's make sure. Let's test it by running it past a famous sceptic. David Hume was a Scottish philosopher, historian, and above all, a noted sceptic. David Hume wrote, I never asserted so absurd a proposition as that something could arise without a cause. So where have we got to? We've reviewed how a Nobel Prize winning scientist has confirmed the general opinion in modern science, which is that this universe had a beginning. And added to that, we've heard how a leading sceptic has conceded that nothing can begin to exist without a cause. Taken together, both of these statements mean that the universe must have had a cause. And yet, Atheism tries to tell us that the universe just happened all by chance. And what's more, scientists have discovered that there are famously six numbers that make the equations which describe our universe work. And the stunning thing is that even if a single one of them was just very slightly different, then we wouldn't be here. In the words of famous scientist Stephen Hawking, the laws of science, as we know them at present, contain many fundamental numbers. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. Scientists who don't believe in God, unlike those who do, struggle to explain scientifically how chance, a pure fluke occurrence, could be so precise in its result. Take, for example, Richard Dawkins, who's forced to concede that science has, and I quote, no strongly satisfying explanation on that precise point. But he urges his readers in his best-selling book, The God Delusion, not to give up hope in some kind of multiverse theory, which is the idea that the so-called Big Bang, which he believes started it all off, did so in such a way as to produce infinitely many pocket universes, of which our universe is but one. This part of his book, The God Delusion, hasn't received a lot of attention, but it's actually in print that this strident voice of atheism appeals to his readers not to give up hope in the discovery of some new scientific theory that will one day save atheism. Isn't there a hint of desperation there? But through the media, the impression is still usually given that science has somehow disproved God. But how does this weird idea help Dawkins anyway? Well, it's a notion that builds on the idea that it's rare to throw three sixes in a row with a single die. But if instead you have enough people, 216 to be precise, and they're all throwing dice, 
then you would in fact expect to find someone among them who does in fact get three sixes in a row. Arguing like that, they say that if there are a trillion trillion parallel universes, you'd expect there to be one, and it turns out to be ours, which is finely tuned in exactly the way ours is. That's really the best Dawkins science can do as a way of explaining how we're here at all, as we are. The choice we're faced with then is a blind faith in a trillion trillion other universes or rational faith in a single creator God. But notice, one way or the other, it's down to faith. But I'd like to ask you, which kind of faith is the most reasonable? One which believes that information and powers of scientific reasoning have their source in the mind of a superintelligent creator God, or a faith that believes that our ability to reason arose out of random, mindless processes, but somehow can still be trusted. As we've heard, those who sustain their atheistic belief in the mere appearance of design, they put forward the idea, totally without evidence, that myriads of so-called parallel universes exist. What they are doing is literally trying to load the dice in their favour. But it remains the case that the extremely delicate complexity of the arrangements necessary for life on this planet are far less well explained by the assumption or belief that life is purely the result of an accidental combination of chance events. This fact is so remarkable that Anthony Flew, an academic who promoted atheism for most of his adult life, stated, not long before he died, that the fine-tuned universe arguments had finally undermined his atheism, and by contrast had convinced him to the point where he said, I am very much impressed with the case for Christianity. That's an example which shows how this unique and revolutionary idea of Christianity can be a very telling one, and is where the evidence leads us. The first three ideas which we've shared in this series so far are all summed up in the public address which the Apostle Paul delivered first in Athens. It's recorded in Acts chapter 17. He said, The God who made the world and everything in it made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God says, Come, let us reason together. And Jesus Christ, his Son, says, Come to me.
Thank you, Brian, for your talk today. Now, I remind us every week that there's a transcript booklet of all the talks in this seven-part series, which you may find helpful. So if you'd like one, or more than one copy, for group Bible study or to pass on to friends, make sure to let us have your postal address, please, and ask for the title Seven Ideas. Now, you can also download our, our booklets via the internet, or you can order by email or by post. So, first of all, I'll give you the postal address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And now, here's our email address, sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, if you wish, you can download uh, audio, MP3s, or podcast versions of some past programmes on your computer. Go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk and you can also access additional material there. Now, some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks and you type Search for Truth series into the search box. And that's all we have for today and thank you for listening. It's been great to have your company. And join us next week, if you can, for another talk in this series. But until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Sings my soul, my Savior, come to thee.